Hello, and welcome to Talking ELT, the easiest place to learn about the big trends in language teaching. We're continuing our conversation about AI with Haya Reindeers and Ben Knight, and today we're going to be looking at the dangers that AI might pose, the opportunities it provides globally, and the psychological impact it might have on language learners. I want to start with the last point. Previously, we talked about the impact of AI on assessment, which seemed to be quite large. This is this is raising questions for me around um, how the student is going to feel in the moment, knowing that everything they do is feeding into the future in a much more holistic way. And the, the impact on the learner psychologically, because I think that that's a completely different way of being assessed that people aren't... It's a different having. way of being. Well, yes. Pantare, everything flows. So, you know, as long as I think this is, you know, back to the same point, it's the it's the underlying presumption is, which we're, we're not operating on at the moment, which yeah. is why we need teachers and other frontline people, not engineers and computer science scientists only, to be in the loop. Uh, the presumption is that as a an individual, I am empowered to curate, to manage, to interact with the data that pertains mm. to me. And at the moment, it's all either unclear where your learning data, for example, resides, who has access to it, what happens to it, whether it's sold, and what have you. We are, and I think this is a really fascinating point, we are now at a moment in time where there is an opportunity to move away from the current model, which is you know large corporations, essentially, yeah. just basically trying to obtain as much data as possible uh, about individual people as they possibly can. But it essentially gives... Uh, it takes the power away from uh, individuals. And uh, I think, well, AI may be able to reverse that. Mm. Yeah. And it, I think this is, uh, it, there is a kind of data literacy that's needed. People need to understand how data is used, what different types of data are. Because, uh, again, it can be, it's easy for a, an engineering perspective to say, for example, look, there's tons of data here. It's all, it, it can all be pulled together and uh, used for different purposes in a way which has unintended consequences. So, for example, we're talking about learners and teachers, but there are also teachers and managers. So uh, how it's very easy for, for to be providing data which can be uh, used by a manager to make decisions about the effectiveness of a teacher, mm. which is actually unjustified mm. yep. um, that that can easily it can easily slide that way mm. unless people are really thinking about what what is good teaching how does the data indicate that how in what ways do we interpret that kind of data yep. um, and not to kind of automate uh, the the sending out of data about teaching mm. to managers without understanding that we should be the algorithm in, that's you know yeah. that's a slightly yeah. poetic way of putting it, but you know yeah. it can't be generated by um, by data alone. Yeah. yeah, and that means that even to the corporations, perhaps that that uh, help generate these algorithms, there is no control over no. that anymore. Not even by the engineers who initially set up the system, because the algorithm regenerates itself. Yeah. Largely without oversight. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah. 
Well, you saying that just reminds me of how we were talking earlier about how uh, one of the great um, benefits of AI is being able to personalize things to the interests of the learner. So um, when you think, when you have that example, which I gave of a, a university student who is uh, working in a particular area of mechanical engineering. So that's very, you can target that. That's fine. But imagine you're talking about um, school children mm. and their particular areas of interest. Um, so that all that information has been collected and, and analysed. Um, where's that going? Yeah. You know, that, 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 that could easily be misused. Yeah. And I think a lot of teachers, myself included, you know, mm. we, have, we cannot oversee the, the consequences of all this data collection. Mm. And it was one thing if there were people who could, <laughs> and then you could decide whether you would trust them or you might put mechanisms in place yep. to oversee and regulate them, etc. Yeah. But those people don't exist anymore. Yeah. And that is one of the, the, the scary unanticipated consequences, unintended consequences of, of AI. So while we're talking about doom, <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you say that you had, uh, there was a Oxford academic? Yes, yes. Let me read out this quote. And then, you know, Chris, you have to promise us that you'll bring us back to happier, sunnier lands. I, I will. I will. Okay. Because I, I was just, you know, it was a coincidence. Just last night I was having dinner here, here in Oxford and uh, I was reading uh, an interesting book and it, it, it um, showed me a quote from Oxford philosopher Nick's, Nick uh, Bostrom, and uh, he wrote uh, a, a well-received uh, bestseller in 2014 called Superintelligence, Path, Dangers, Strategies. So it's not specifically or exclusively about AI, but you know, obviously superintelligence is something that people worry about as a result of mm. developments in AI. So I'll read the quote to you. Before the prospect of an intelligence explosion, we humans are like small children playing with a bomb. Such is the mismatch between the power of our plaything and the immaturity of our conduct. Superintelligence is a challenge for which we are not ready now and will not be ready for a long time. We have little idea when the detonation explosion will occur, though if we hold the device to our ear, we can hear a faint ticking sound. <laughs> for a child with an undetonated bomb in its hands, a sensible thing to do would be to put it down gently, quick quickly back out of the room and contact the nearest adult. Yet what we have here is not one child, but many, each with access to an independent trigger mechanism. The chances that we will all find the sense to put down the dangerous stuff seems almost negligible. Some little idiot is bound to press the ignite button just to see what happens. <laughs> And on that happy note... <laughs> excellent, excellent. A wonderful, a wonderful okay. way to end the series. <laughs> <laughs> and probably life on Earth as we know well, it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. I mean, I think you know, there's a lot of discussion about this at the moment. Mm. So mm. We, we kind of know that it's, it's the... That, that we're using the tools to make decisions, help us make decisions. We can automate those decisions... And the more that we automate them, the more we risk uh, losing control of, of what happens next. Mm, um, mm. And so I think your point about the human in the loop mm. is, is the key thing there yep. um, to avoid yep. the bomb going off. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's interesting. Just uh, yesterday I was, I was reading about a, uh, also an unanticipated phenomenon uh, in AI, which is called uh, model collapse. And this is quite interesting because what it essentially, uh, if, if I summarize it accurately, uh, entails is that, of course, uh, an AI system 
is based or you know works off a lang large language model. Yeah. And that model might contain information. And I'll just make up an example. Let's say that uh, the database contains uh, information about 100 t-shirts. And let's say that 90 of them are blue and 10 of them are yellow. If you leave the system B, initially it will just be able to tell you that the majority of t-shirts in the world are blue and that a minority are yellow. But at some point, the, the model itself starts to become contaminated. And it will actually start to tell you that all t-shirts are actually slightly green. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, and and right. and this phenomenon is referred to as as model collapse. And so there are ways around it. One is that you get the AI to go back to the original database so that it resets itself. Uh, of course, we're back to our earlier example of the teacher creating, curating um, a, a database or a, a model. Well, having a human in the loop might not be the most efficient, right? but it might be more effective. And mm. I, I think that there's a, a glimmer of hope for us as, uh, as individuals, as human beings, yeah. and certainly as teachers, that we'll still be uh, needed to not just refresh, but also check uh, the models that um, the systems behind the curtain, so to speak, are working off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things, I'm going to go slightly off of a tangent because it just triggered a, a, a thought of an area that we haven't really been talking about which is the when we talk about language learning it just one of the huge challenges of language learning is is the automation of the language competence in our in our in our heads you know the ability to use the language yeah. um yeah. at speed in, in real life time in real time that's kind of the the one of the most difficult bits and Obviously, what we're seeing now is is the ability to create safe spaces for practicing language, uh, ad nauseum to get constant feedback in a way which is really difficult to achieve at the moment. Um, so, so that's one of the areas that I, I think I'm really excited about is is uh, to be able to practice speaking in an immersive situation and getting responses, getting feedback on your speaking, which is reliable or um, um, encouraging. Mm. Uh, I think that is going to be a big change. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm. and, and not just encouraging, but also uh, appropriate to your level, yeah. relevant to your specific needs and interests. Yeah. Um, perhaps um, checkable, there must be a better word for that, yeah. <laughs> by a yeah. teacher in the background, even though that, that interaction might not be happening in the classroom at a time when you know, you're supposed to be working with the teacher. Um, so yeah. tremendous uh, opportunity. That, well, you know, when we look, when I go kind of visiting schools around the world, what you often find is the problem is is the teacher doesn't feel confident <clears throat> to to really um, give feedback or to model speaking. Mm. You know, everyone says speaking is the most important skill, uh, and yet that's the bit which they neglect because of lack of confidence. Yeah. So that that's a problem which I think can be overcome. Um, and I think we'll see a lot more of learners developing their speaking skills with a uh, in an AI mm. controlled environment. Yeah, if if you'll allow me, Chris, because that that might be a very nice segue onto a, a different set of topics, which I think really deserve some attention too. Because you've mentioned you know, around the world and the, the global situation, I think there's at least two really important um, issues to discuss here. One is the question around 
um, the availability of technology in the rich world uh, compared with you know the global south for example so there might be people listening and saying well you know you talk about ai and you know, complex systems etc we don't even have computers in our in our classroom or yeah. in some cases perhaps even reliable um, electricity so how is all this relevant to me so maybe we can briefly mm. uh, explore that um, do you have any th thoughts on that um, so yeah i i agree that, that there is i mean at the very fundamental level as you said electricity and uh internet connection and, and access to to devices but even beyond that even when you have that because increasingly you know, uh, people are able to access mobile devices and uh, and and so, so i think that is something that will change but the idea that everything is going to be available for free mm. Mm. You know, is we, we live in a world of you know Google and Facebook where we expect that, but um, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Mm. So I think a lot of the things we're talking about may uh, may widen the divide mm -hmm. between uh, the rich and the poor. Mm -hmm. yeah. Possibly, yeah. I mean, this is one of those situations, just like when, with the arrival of the internet, okay. and even more so perhaps with the arrival of mobile phones, where you have people in, in different sides of the the argument. Uh, some people saying, well, you know, it's uh, yeah. obviously it's, it's challenging um, in, in resource poor uh, situations, contexts. On the other hand, you've got people saying, well, this allows perhaps uh, those uh, countries and those people to leapfrog, to bypass some of the yeah. uh, the existing systems which are cumbersome and no longer perhaps even needed. And you, you yeah. do see that in certain areas, for example, with the use of mobile technologies. Yeah. Um, I think now I'm, I'm a... I'm of the opinion that the glass is, is half full mm. and half full with a, a quite delicious drink. Mm. Um, <laughs> because I think the, the greatest impact, perhaps, perhaps far more important than everything we've discussed so far, is that this potentially unlocks um, access to, if not perfect, certainly a lot of education and a lot of materials, a lot of feedback, a lot of support of different types to learners who currently either have no access to education or have access to poor mm. education. Um, and the impact of, for example, providing a, a learner um, to even a short amount of time to an AI-supported system will enhance the amount and quality of um, educational support that they receive um, you know greatly just to give you an illustration uh, Bjorn Lomborg um, who is um, someone who works in the area of uh, development uh, he uh, and his his team I forget the name of the uh, the NGO uh, ran an experiment in uh, I think it was uh, Uganda um, and uh, somewhere in East East Africa where they provided um, children in rural schools who were receiving um, frankly very poor uh, instruction uh, and and often intermittent instruction with teachers not being available etc mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with uh, tablets for one hour per day so uh, in a nutshell what was the the main main problem there was that uh, the the kids in school were often in very large classrooms with 30 40 or even more children uh, all of whom had very different levels of, of development in, in the different subjects being taught. And they were grouped according to their age level, right? So the 10-year-olds with the 10-year-olds and the 11-year-olds with the 11-year-olds. Yeah. But 
within the group of, say, 10-year-olds, you might have some learners who were operating at the level of a five-year-old in terms of literacy skills, for example, as well as those who are operating at the level of a 10-year-old and perhaps some that were operating at an even higher level. So that meant that the teacher, the best the teacher could hope to do is to sort of aim for the middle and, you know, hope for the best, Yeah, which yeah. meant that basically the majority of all the learners were either bored or had no idea what was going on, yeah. right? And in their project, they found that having a, uh, a a tablet available again just for one or they would take these these children outside of the the class and let them work individually and the system of course very quickly was able to adapt to their level maybe using some adaptive testing or what have yeah. you and the the cost of that uh, project um, including everything including the tablets and the loss of some of them and the electricity and the power and the solar panels that they had to install etc was approximately thirty one dollars US dollars per year per child Wow. Yeah, and the, the cost for the education for the children in that particular context was around $350 per child per okay. year, right? So we're looking at about 9% yeah. um, cost. But the after uh, a couple of years of investigating the impact of that, what they found was that uh, the learners who used the tablets for just one hour a day um, improved two years were in one year, um, had two years worth of academic oh, wow. gains, right? So uh, that is a phenomenal, of course, increase just from from one hour, mm-hmm. right? And now imagine that if those tablets didn't just have some static, you know, set of adapt, you know, basic adaptive uh, programming and resources, but had access to an interactive AI mm-hmm. that continuously checks your levels, sees what you've been doing, and adapts to that. Mm. Well, Changes everything. It it. it potentially fundamentally transforms the nature of uh, education there. Uh, and that's something that, you know, possibly might well be, uh, maybe I'm being very hopeful, but that might well be one of the, the greatest benefits of uh, AI for education. Yeah. No, no, I think that's a great example. Mm. Yeah, you know, it reminded me of an example, which is not, not exactly the same point you're making, but of the relationship between um, AI and the teacher, um, which was a, a, an app um, for developing writing skills in English. Um, and you know, we tried it with um, groups of teachers, I think it was in Turkey. And what the teachers found was that although they would give personally have given better feedback than the app gave, the fact that the app was able to give feedback to everybody individually in real time and repeatedly um, was fantastic. So then their role as a teacher was much more around kind of fine-tuning things, motivating, uh, all those kind of other things. Mm. So I, I can see that also being in the example that you're talking about. It's, it's not that the teacher becomes redundant, but they, they have a, an additional role. Well, and, and potentially a far more important role. And probably, I, I certainly can speak you know, for myself, uh, a, a far more interesting role because I much rather sit down with a learner who's really struggling and you know coach them and motivate them, etc., rather than having to you know mark two hundred essays. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I know yep. which one of those. Not only which I enjoy more personally, but also which one I think you know I can I can add more yeah. value. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking ELT, the easiest place to learn about the big issues in language teaching. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you want to learn more about this issue and others like it.
We look forward to seeing you next episode.